Our second scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Luke, and for the next four weeks as we move towards the end um, of the church year, towards Christ the King Sunday, we're going to stick with the Gospel of Luke and follow Jesus as he moves on towards Jerusalem. So in Luke 19, we pick up with the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy to welcome Jesus. All who saw it began to grumble, though and said, he's gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the human one came to seek out and to save the lost. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy Christ, to be in our hearing and our thinking on this word, that your word and that you will be embodied in us when we go from this place. Amen. This Zacchaeus incident is just the latest of Jesus's offenses. We catch up with Jesus this morning well into his ministry near the end of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is about to enter into Jerusalem and we know what comes next. The Last Supper, arrest, trial, and crucifixion. The stakes are high and time is almost up. And so Jesus has been traveling through the countryside and the towns preaching with urgency. And he's been making trouble everywhere he goes. We know that about Jesus. That's what he does. You see, Jesus is proclaiming that God's love is for all people, not just for some. Salvation for everybody. As he moves through the crowds, Jesus touches the untouchable. Jesus heals on the Sabbath, putting the well-being of the sick and broken above rigid adherence to rules and regulations. Jesus elevates the role of women in his ministry, breaking the rules of patriarchy. Jesus has recruited a tax collector as a disciple. And Jesus is traveling around preaching blessing to the poor and woe to the rich. In the sequel to the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts, they will say of Jesus' followers, they are turning the world upside down. And we see that here in Jesus. Jesus is turning the known world upside down, or as many have said, Jesus is really turning the world right side up. For the next four weeks, as we journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Luke, as we travel together to the close of the church year, we're going to spend some time exploring this, how Jesus is turning the world right side up. And there's nowhere 
Nowhere that Jesus does that more obviously, nowhere that Jesus is more disruptive than in his table fellowship. Jesus will eat with just about anybody. And in the Gospel of Luke, he is eating with just about anybody, just about all the time. One scholar has said that in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is pretty much either going to a meal, sitting at a meal, or coming from a meal. And we're talking about more than just table etiquette here. Jesus lived in a world of strict social separation. It was part of how power was maintained. There was up, there was down, there was in, there was out. And those separations were particularly observed in the intimacy of gathering for a meal. A meal wasn't just a meal. It wasn't just food. It signified parity and mutuality and acceptance. There were those with whom one ate, the acceptable ones. And there were those with whom one did not eat ever, the unacceptable, the untouchable, the broken in body, the broken in spirit, the poor, the Samaritan, the outcast, or as the Gospel of Luke comes to describe them collectively, the sinners and the tax collectors. Keep in mind, under these rules, there were more who were out than we're in, but even so, in Jesus's world, to cross that line, to sit down at table with the outcast, it's not merely an act of hospitality. It is an action that breaks the social order. It's that big. And throughout his ministry, Jesus does just that. Jesus gathers again and again at table with those whom others would consider to be the wrong people. And the authorities in the crowd grumble again and again. He eats with sinners and tax collectors. And what Jesus lives out in his life, he also makes explicit in his teaching. Jesus teaches that you shouldn't invite to dinner those people who can pay you back, but rather you should invite and welcome those who can't pay you back. Invite the poor. Invite the disadvantaged. Jesus disrupts the social order at the table, and he teaches that you shouldn't take the place of most importance, even if you think you deserve it. You should humble yourself and take the least important seat. Jesus is turning the social order of the table, all its ins and outs, its hierarchy, upside down. And then Jesus says this, this chaotic, crowded table, this is the new normal. This is the table to which people will come from east and west and north and south to feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus is turning the world right side up and the powers can't stand it because this threatens them. It threatens their power. It threatens their world. It stops them from maintaining any sense of being on top at the expense of keeping people down. So the grumbling keeps building steadily into an accusation that will carry with it the penalty of crucifixion. This man, this man, he eats with sinners and tax collectors this has got to stop. The stakes are that high. And in this morning's scripture, Jesus comes to Jericho and he sees Zacchaeus. Now, scripture tells us three things about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. He is rich and he is short of stature. Now, it might not be obvious to our modern ears, but in Jesus's day to be a tax collector is to be reviled. 
Tax collectors work for the Roman Empire. They pay the Romans for the right to collect exorbitant taxes from the people, and then they add a surcharge to the taxes, a surcharge that they pocket. That is their business model. And Zacchaeus is very rich in a very big city, so we can expect that he has people working for him, shaking down the people of Jericho, everyone taking their cut. I won't go so far as to call him the Tony Soprano of Jericho. <laughs> But you get my drift. Zacchaeus is extremely rich and extremely despised. He's both part of the oppressive system and he is himself an outcast. And Zacchaeus is short of stature, so when he hears that Jesus is coming and when the crowds form, he has little chance of seeing Jesus over the crowd, so he runs and he scurries up the tree, and there he is hanging out in the tree, Zacchaeus, undignified, despised, shunned, and scripture says that Jesus walks by, looks up at him, sees him, and says, Zacchaeus, come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus not only invites him to the table, he says, Zacchaeus, I must stay with you. I must dwell with you. After miles and miles of traveling, after inviting and eating with outcasts and sinners and tax collectors again and again, Jesus invites Zacchaeus to an already crowded table where they will feast and dwell together. Now, I got this notion of a crowded table, which is the title of the sermon, from a song by the High Women. I don't know if you've heard about them, uh, but they are an all-woman supergroup. I didn't even know there was a thing, such a thing as a supergroup, but they're a supergroup that's turning part of the music world upside down. The High Women are four prominent artists in country, alternative, and folk music, and they've come together as an all-woman group to sing songs from their point of view as women. The first release is called Redesigning Women and it reorders the world of patriarchy from the lived experience of women. The title release is a song that plays tribute to unsung women, high women, who have led and sacrificed in freedom rides and for border justice and as women preachers and healers silenced by patriarchy. One of the edgier songs is a good old country barroom song in which a woman looks across the bar at a man who is looking at her girlfriend, and she sings to him, if she ever leaves me, it won't be for you. <laughs> In their songs, the high women are singing from points of view that have not been sung, or at least that have not been centered in the dominant culture. They are turning the genre upside down, and they are turning the world upside right. And at the heart of this album, there is this song this song, Crowded Table, and in it, the high women sing of a crowded table with a place for everyone, no exceptions, where we go out and we take on the world every day and then we come back together when the day is done, where everyone is broken and when everyone belongs. There is good news in that song and good news in the scripture, good news of a crowded table where every one of us belongs. And wonderfully crowded is just what the table is if Jesus is really inviting everybody. We're not talking about a dinner party for eight with a Martha Stewart tablescape, although those can be lovely. This is like a family table, a real family table. 
a community table, a whole world table where everybody's invited and everybody shows up. All the cousins, all the aunts, all the uncles, the long lost kin, the neighbors, the folks you know, the folks you don't know yet, the folks who as you drove down the street needed a meal. Everybody's invited and we all show up and we bring all our stuff and everyone has enough. And it's loud and maybe voices get raised, but the clamor and the pulse and the life at this table, they are music to God's ears. Now, this congregation has extended that kind of welcome before. And I know that. We know that. This congregation welcomed and called LGBTQ people into the life of the church to serve as deacons and elders to serve at table back when the denomination had rules that said that you shouldn't. Amazing people like Virginia Tebow and Ann Toller. This is the congregation where Katie Morrison was ordained, the congregation where I was ordained. And now you've called me as an interim minister, and I don't want to dwell on that. But I also don't want to pass it by without noticing. This is no small moment. When we gather at that table, we embody Christ's welcome for all people in a way that turns the world right side up. That is always true, always true of the communion table throughout all time and around the world. And that is true with particularity right here and right now. At that table, we say with our bodies, as one body, that all are welcome to the table in the name of Jesus. All are welcome. You are welcome. At Christ's table, you have a place. It is as true for you as it was for Zacchaeus and as it is for the whole world. Now that's some good news. But the good news doesn't stop there, and neither does the story of Zacchaeus. The story doesn't end with Jesus saying, Zacchaeus, I must stay with you today. Zacchaeus responds to the invitation. He hops down out of that tree and gets to work because here's the thing. Jesus doesn't only welcome us all to the table. Jesus welcomes us and then invites us into relationships of mutuality and into the work of inviting others still, of making room at the crowded table, of turning the world right side up. Our welcome to the table brings with it responsibility and work to do. And Zacchaeus gets that. So I want to look at Zacchaeus's response and notice three things about our working life at Jesus's crowded table. Three things about the table fellowship that Jesus invites us to join. First, Jesus' table fellowship responds to human need, not to hierarchy or power over, but to human need. Zacchaeus receives the invitation, and his first response is to say, half of everything I have, I give to the poor. Welcome to the table. Zacchaeus' first and immediate impulse is that everyone should have enough. Enough food, enough shelter, enough well-being. Everyone should have enough. And we've seen that in this past week. As so many of us were left vulnerable by fire, by threat of fire, and by power blackouts. 
as neighbors checked in on neighbors, as strangers welcomed evacuees, as firefighters risked their lives for the well-being of all of us. We wanted to make sure that everyone was okay and that everyone had enough. At Jesus' table, that impulse that we have in a crisis like that, the, that acute awareness of human need laid raw and bare, the impulse to help, the impulse to make sure that everyone has enough, that impulse at Christ's table becomes a sustaining and consistent ethic, a sustaining way of life. If we all are really to live together at this wonderfully crowded table, how shall we order our life together to make sure that everyone has enough? The second thing, it's not only about sharing resources. Jesus' table, table fellowship requires what Herman Weichen calls a reordering of power. Zacchaeus doesn't stop at giving away half of what he owns. He then says, you know, if I've harmed anyone, if I've harmed anyone, I will pay that back four times over. In that moment, Zacchaeus recognizes the oppressive power relationships in the world and sets about making them right. Zacchaeus has benefited from the systems of power over that are at work in this world, and he recognizes his responsibility to set things right. I'll use an example that we'll talk about more next week. We live in a nation that has been shaped for its entire history by systems of racism and white supremacy. That is our history. When I move through our world white, whether I intend to or not, I benefit from those systems. Everything from the schools I attended to how I can walk down the streets of Marin without the hassle and the threat and the danger that my black friends face every day. My place at our national table derives in part from American systems of racism. I benefit. So if I'm to take my place at Christ's Table, it means that I have responsibility to work to dismantle any system that keeps people from having enough, any system that keeps anyone from living freely into all that God has created them to be. Zacchaeus says, if I've profited from this, if I have benefited, I will repay four times the amount. Zacchaeus is speaking the language of reparation, a reparative healing reallocation of both resources and power. And that brings me to the third thing. Jesus' table fellowship requires systemic change. Zacchaeus' response, although it looks like it, it isn't just a one-off act of repentance. Zacchaeus is shutting down the system of taxation in Jericho. If he doesn't take his cut, if he gives it back, the whole system shuts down. Their business model crumbles. This is about ongoing abundant life at the crowded table life where everyone has enough. That requires dismantling the systems that push people down and hold people back and creating the systems that sustain the fullness of life for everyone. Last month, um, some of you know that in between my work at the seminary and here, I did a lot of travel. 
Um, and so at the beginning of October, I had the, the opportunity to spend a week at the Co-Inspire Conference um, in North Carolina at Montreat with Presbyterians from around the country thinking together about how we can work to eviscerate racism and embody imagination. How we can name and name again the realities of how racism is at work in our life in the church and in the world and how we can create something new. Now you can expect those conversations were hard and they were worthy. At the closing worship, at the closing worship, the, the lead convener and educator, Jessica Vasquez-Torres, led communion along with her wife, Laura. The communion liturgy named folks who have been kept from table both in the church and in the world. People of color, black people, Latinx people, transgender people, people with disabilities. And as these communities were named, someone from the community would come forward they dip their hand in the baptismal font and claim their, our baptismal identity. And then they walked up and took a place at the table, one by one. And before our eyes, Christ's crowded table was filled to overflowing. The table before us, and the folks in the room, a living embodiment, a glimpse of the table to which people will come from east and west, from north and south, to feast in the kingdom, in the world of God forever and ever. I am so excited to be here with you for this nine months or so. I know in my bones that it is always a blessing to gather with you at this table. Thanks be to God that we all are invited to Christ's own table. Thanks be to God that at that table we are invited to live into relationships of mutuality, into a world where everyone has enough, into a world where everyone can live free. And thanks be to God that we have worthy work to do together. <laughs>